What? 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What the What Show. What? My name is Eric. Yeah, what? And this is Kyle. Oh yeah, say what? Doing something. What the what? What? Are what? You do- what are you doing? What? What are you doing? Say what? Say what? I'm asking you a question. I was trying to you know get you know keywords out there. What? That's our keyword for our uh, show. Our keyword for the show is what? Yeah, we say it twice in the name of our show. What the what? The would be the other keyword. Okay. And you're saying this at the top of the show, why? To make sure people don't think they're listening to some other show. There's a lot of other podcasts. We're not the only one. I think they would know if they made a mistake. Well, now they do, because I said what a billion times. We've clarified what they're listening to. Whatever. So this is our wild card week. Wild card. And the way we have our format set up, we will talk about a movie. And talk about a TV show. We'll do a favorites list. Last week we did what versus what. And then we have a week where anything's on the board. And we're both big wrestling fans. Yep. And we decided to talk about our favorite wrestling moments. Mm-hmm. And I think we narrowed it down. I, I know last week we did five versus five. Three I, versus three. This, this week, week we're doing just three versus three because we have a couple of antidotes to go over uh, prior. Antidotes? Who's under a spell? No, no, no. Not antidotes. Not antidotes. <laughs> I know you were talking about possibly calling some girl. Did she put a spell on you? Yes, possibly. Hmm. We'll talk about. We got to find the antidote. We'll talk Ricky. about Sabrina the Teenage Witch next week when we discuss Boy Meets World. Finally, um, but we also have some Twitter responses. Put that out on Twitter today. Um, Can that be our new thing? Like that was totally an accident, but the dog like shook its collar, and you were like, "We've got Twitter announcements," and right on cue, like jingle, 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 jingle. Yep. That's totally our new thing. Totally our new thing. We're definitely not going to edit that out at all. No, you keep that up, Scoob. Yep, all, all the way. So we're doing three versus three this week. Uh, it's not even what versus what. It's just our most, you know, our favorite wrestling moments. And I think it's great because after a count of three, you win the match anyway. That's right. One. Or you lose. Unless you're King Kong Bundy. Okay. Um, I don't know. That's old school WWF. He had to win his matches by a five count. Actually, when Big E was in NXT... He mm-hmm. took on that gimmick where he would demand a five count to win his matches. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's I didn't like the, really follow the, NXT, the ultimate but. arrogant heel move where it's like, not only did I beat you, I beat you really bad that you can't even get out at five. He didn't know about that toggle switch thing that you were talking about last week. No, he didn't. Yeah, if they just hit the joystick, they mm-hmm. would have kicked out at He'd five. Kicked out every or at time. two. I mean, whenever. no matter how many times that, you know. You got, what was it, the Evenflow DDT? The Evenflow DDT has no power to stop the Nintendo 64 joystick. Hey, whatever works. So, uh, we're super excited to talk about our favorite wrestling moments. So, here's how this will work. Uh, we'll each take turns sharing a wrestling moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple of caveats uh, before we get to my list. Is that like the fish egg things? Yes. Um, that is Ricky? Yes, the, the, the fish egg things. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, the stuff you eat on like, is it crackers? That's caviar. Yeah, that's what you said. No, caviar. caveat. I don't see, like, I'm actually hungry. I didn't eat dinner yet. I haven't eaten dinner yet, but I'm not well, you using said you words. Brought, no, no. You said you brought some caviar. No, I didn't bring, oh, I have a caveat. You know, a, and I'm is not that, even. Is that what you carry caviar in? Tomato, tomato is what Ricky says. Let's call the whole thing off. And that, that's, a, that's a musical reference, though. I thought we were talking about wrestling. Anyway, um,. Let's just go ahead and get to your list first. Why is my list first? Because I went first last week. So I'll give you my caveat later. You just go what ahead. Is... I don't even get this. First, you talk about having caviar, which is expensive. You were talking about saving your budget earlier, and then now you're here telling me since you forgot the caviar that I have to go first. That's it. I go... thought you had a story to tell first. I, I do. I do. Is that your caviar? Yes, my caviar is a story to tell. Well, I mean, I think that one story is probably better than my whole list. Well, I'll, I'll tell the story, and then you jump into your list. Um, one of my things that didn't make my list um, happened in 1998. This is before I was actually a like a big wrestling fan, and I was at a friend's house, and then he got invited to watch the 1998 Royal Rumble at another friend's house. Mm-hmm. 
So I tagged along with him. I hadn't seen wrestling since I was like four or five years old when I was a big Hogan, Ultimate Warrior kind of guy, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, all the you know all those greats in the mm-hmm. early '90s. Um, so I didn't really know what was going on, but I was getting into it. You know, mm-hmm. as a you know at '98, I would have been like 11 or 12 years old, and you know we're watching the Royal Rumble. We see Mick Foley come in as Cactus Jack, and he comes in as Dude Love and Mankind, and all Is that. Is that stuff. what that one was? Yeah, that was the '98 Austin. Rumble. Austin won that Rumble, by the way. And the main event was Shawn Michaels, the WWF champion, mm-hmm. versus The Undertaker in a casket match. Now, by this point, this is like two and a half hours into the show. And as 12-year-old boys, we like to roughhouse. Sure. You know, we like to just kind of get into it because, hey, wrestling's fake. Of course, we're just going to... Whoa, gonna, whoa, whoa. Th- whoa. That was our mindset. Mm. That's not what I'm saying. That you was literally our, just said wrestling is fake. I'm giving you the context of the story. Don't interrupt okay. me, jerk. So Whatever. that was our context. You know, that was what we were thinking. We can do this and no one will get hurt. So we start wrestling around in this guy's room. He's got this huge room. And, you know, we're, you know, throwing fake... Clotheslines, we're throwing fake punches, you know, fake drop kicks, you know, we'll slam someone on the bed. Mm-hmm. And then I see Shawn Michaels on the TV do his finishing move, the sweet chin music, which is a super kick. Okay. So I see this one kid who I didn't even know at this point. I knew one guy there, and that was my friend who I came with. Now, was this this kid's house? Yes. So oh, no, 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 no. This was a different kid. So I don't, I don't even know who the kid was. Don't, don't remember his name. Never saw the kid but later, you know, in life. This the one the, time. One time I saw him. I see him jumping off the bed like he's going to do like a double axe handle, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like so, Randy Savage, like Randy Savage would mm-hmm. do or whatever. So I see Shawn Michaels do the super kick thing. So I crouch down, throw a super kick, hit the guy right in the face. Oh no, broke his nose. Oh no, you're kidding. Party was over after that. I, you know, didn't even see what happened, you know, at the end of that pay per view until like months later when it was released on VHS and I rented it from the video store and saw that. Uh, Undertaker got his casket lit on fire by Kane in the end. Mm. But, yeah, the party was over. He had, you know, blood coming out of his nose. Mom came and picked him up. I never got invited to that kid's house ever again, which I didn't know who that kid was. And But that was kind of my start with wrestling a little bit back into my wrestling fandom. It didn't really make my list because it wasn't my favorite wrestling moment, but it was a favorite mm-hmm. personal moment for me. Like a, well, not, That's pretty big. You broke somebody's Maybe nose. not a favorite moment, but a memorable that moment. That should be a favorite, you know. People ask me, it's kind of like when you have, you have battle scars, you know. You just left your scar on somebody else's face. That's so, it. So um, That's pretty awesome. So that's not going to make my list. But you show I, up to a guy's house that you don't know. That I don't know. You see some other kid that you don't know, and then you break his nose. Yep, with my foot of justice. Well, it's a good thing, though, because typically in the 90s, you know, in that Hulk Hogan movie, Suburban Commando, he said, you're kidding, this is the 90s. We're going to sue you. I mean, his parents could have sued you, or your parents, I guess. But well, they didn't know who I was. So that's true. You <laughs> vanished. I think they were more like worried about getting him to a doctor or mm. something or trying to stop the bleeding out of the nose. And if it's me, I would probably ran out of the house. Like, well, at this away. point, my friend's mom was there to pick us up and we just kind of slipped out. I, don't I totally think, would have done that. I don't think they even knew who committed the crime. Like they mm. might've been pointing fingers. You know, I might've been just some kind of like to this day, they may not know like who that strange kid. Like, he was just there and then he vanished. Was so, it a ghost? <laughs> so all I'm hearing is, now this kid's going to find out on the podcast somehow down the line. He's going to listen now and be like, wait, that was my nose. <laughs> Who's this guy? You know, honestly, Where's my money? Honestly, I hope that we have enough reach with this mm-hmm. podcast that it hits the random person you know, in, that's in this universe. Like We have that many listeners that the one person who you know, we're trying to find ends up listening to it. Well, I mean, it's not even like you were at some random show. Like, I had my nose broke once. Like, I was at play. Well, I wasn't even playing a show. I was at a show, and a guy did a spin kick in the pit and clocked me right in the face. I wasn't expecting it. Like, that'd be a little random. I tell that story someday, and then he finds us. But this was a friend of your friends of a friend. So, you know, Kevin Bacon, it all works out together, and somehow this kid's going to come up and sue you. Maybe. Maybe not. I'm a teacher guy. I don't make money, so that's true. There's not much so you can have. Good here. luck if you if you sue me. You know you you might have to pay me something just so I can give you something back. You he can have that Sting book, the autobiography. Yeah, sting. the autobiography Sting that yeah. um that I just got back from our friend Matt. So. Yeah, so you could give that to him. Like you know what, this is fair. You can have this. That's right. So we're here starting we with your uh, top three. It doesn't have to be in any particular order either. Um, just three of your most uh, favorite wrestling moments. What is your first entry onto the list? Okay. Mine kind of goes in a history of the timeline. Um, 
So I'm going to kind of set the scene here. And it's not even necessarily that these are my three favorite memories or anything. It's just things that really stand out between me and wrestling. Um, so to set the mood. I was three years old. So this First, is 1989. No. No. I was born in 87. So, that 1990. Makes sense. so 1990, okay. Yeah, so 90, math, 1990. 1990. The more you know. It's kind of the first Christmas I remember, and I don't know if I so much remember it as much as this is the first picture, like Christmas I remember having pictures of and seeing my gifts for Christmas. But I remember looking around, there's Ninja Turtles, there's a Batman, there's Ghostbusters, and then there's this action figure and this giant stuffed animal of a man. And he's wearing this giant yellow suit, and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but being that little and looking, and there's this cool-looking yellow suit dude. It's like, I like this guy. Had no clue who he was. I'd never watched wrestling before. To be fair, I don't even know that my parents or my dad ever watched wrestling, so I'm not sure how he ended up. You know, I don't, I guess Santa Claus said, you know what, you're going to like wrestling someday. Here's this. You'll thank me later. Maybe he knew, and it's appropriate because it's July 3rd when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. He knew that you were going to be a real American. That's true. Real American. I am a real American. So, years later. Um, I would start watching WCW, World Championship Wrestling. Um, I don't remember exactly how I started watching wrestling. I just remember at some point, I guess it was something cool kids started doing like elementary school. But this event took place in 1996. Now, at this point, I'd started you know, watching this. There's this guy that comes out that everybody loves. The crowd goes crazy. He's wearing this yellow costume. I'm like, wait a second. I know this guy and I put the like to connect the dots of this man that's on TV is this guy I got as an action figure and a wrestling buddy whenever I was three years old. This man is Hulk Hogan. And so of course he was a good guy, one of the best of all time. I loved him. I love sting macho man, Lex Luger, all those dudes. I was the typical superhero type kid where it's like the good guys got to win. I don't like the bad guys, the good guys all the time. That's who I, I cheered for every week. But then out of nowhere one night, I'm watching, and there's this bad guy that shows up on the television. He comes out of nowhere. He's not supposed to be there. He's from the other wrestling channel, WWF at the time. Uh, Did he say something like, you don't know, you all know who I am, but mm -hmm. you don't know why I'm here? Exactly. He came out, and I remember, because I think, what, I was probably, I was nine. I remember watching this, and them like, freaking out, where it's like, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm taking over. And I remember being a nine-year-old kid screaming at the TV, like, arrest this guy. He's not supposed to be here. He's trespassing. Can't anybody, you know, cops. He's on TV. He's right here. Come get him. Of course, the TV didn't listen to me. But um, I remember he came, you know, Scott Hall. We come to find out it's his name. He brings in his buddy, uh, Kevin Nash, who previously was Razor Ramon and Diesel. They come in, and all of a sudden, they start attacking all of these good guys that I love. They're beating them down with... You know, chairs with bats. I remember especially the bats. And I remember they finally challenged Eric Bischoff, who's the guy that runs the whole shindig, and says, you, you know, we'll get us another guy, and you get your best three, and we're going to whoop your tail and take over. And I remember, like, who they're going to pick. Hulk Hogan, for some reason, had vanished for a while. He wasn't there anymore. But they ended Probably up... Probably shooting an episode of Trouble in Paradise. Yeah, which later was, like, Thunder or whatever it was. Or Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, yeah that, Thunder that, Paradise. that was it. But uh, I remember... You know, they talked to Eric Bischoff, said, what's going on? Like, who's your three? And he's like, we've got a team. We accept your challenge, but I, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Then they powerbombed him right off the stage. And I remember them being like, somebody's got to do something. There's no control here. So, ended up being Sting, Macho Man, Lex Luger, going into the pay-per-view. Hall and Ash, don't tell us who their surprise guest is going to be, who their third man is. Um, I remember being nine years old. We didn't get pay-per-views. I know, I think you said, too, you didn't really ever get pay-per-view either as a kid. Right. Um I just remember, too, there was no internet. There's no way to find out what happened except for tuning in Monday night and seeing, okay, what happened? What did I miss? Because they always did like a replay of something big that happened. So I remember there, sitting there at my desk in my room, watching my little, like, 10-inch television, 19-inch, whatever, small little TV, holding my wrestling and my uh, Hulk Hogan action figure that I've had since I was three years old. And all of a sudden, whenever Nitro, the big screen, is supposed to come on the intro, it goes to a clip from the preview or from the pay-per-view. Bash at the Beach, 1996. Mm -hmm. It shows Lex Luger getting caught in the middle of this thing and having to be stretched out, taken to the back. Then it shows him fighting again. And then next thing you know, Sting and Macho Man are down and out. 
And then all of a sudden, the music hits. Here it comes. Real American hero. The crowd goes wild. I see there's those yellow and red colors I've been holding. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm so excited. Like, here he comes to save the day. These dudes have been taking over this show for I don't know how long. He's going to take over and win. He walks in, gets in the middle of the ring, two atomic leg drops to Macho Man Randy Savage. Man. I remember I started crying. Nine years old with me, holding my little Hulk Hogan action figure, crying. To the point that I was so upset that I chunked that action figure across the room and just put my head down and started bawling crying. Because here's this man, you know, the superhero that's going to come save the day. And he has now turned against everything. Everything I ever knew about wrestling, everything I believed in this man, he has now just completely turned the opposite. I remember being like utterly destroyed by that. So the next night when he comes out and he's not wearing the yellow and no, red, no, no, he's no. wearing the black. Yep. I mean, he's got, at that point, he had dyed his beard yeah. know, black with the mustache mm-hmm. being yellow. Um, just complete 180 from what he had been for over a decade at that point. It no. ruined me. Like, I, like nine year old me. This was the realest thing that you could get. These people were really hurt. This guy came in and you know it just destroyed everything that I could do. Like I just remember balling out. It's literally months before I ever even I was cleaning up and found that Hulk Hogan figure like, behind whatever ride chunk. I don't even think I picked it up. I was still so upset with him that like this is the guy from my childhood was setting this up. He was going to be my favorite forever, and then he goes and does that. So. And that was the beginning of the NWO. And it was. And to be fair, I never cared for the white and black NWO because it just put such a bad taste in my mouth. But don't get me wrong. Like, later on. They had the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. I loved the Wolfpack. Sting joined that. All, Macho Man. I like, And I guess, like, some of it I like. But See, anyway. as a North Carolina Tar Heel, even though the Wolfpack colors looked really cool, mm. I couldn't support them. I had, you know, if I was going to support any NWO faction, it had to be Hollywood. Mm. Um, but at that point, I was a DDP fan. Mm. He didn't join the NWO. That's true. And I, I totally pulled for him until the end. Like, all the guys I tried to, like, Ric Flair, all these people that were against trying to do everything they could to keep the NWO out, I pulled for them forever. I finally pulled for the Wolfpack. But one distinct memory that came to mind about this is there was this kid in elementary school. And I remember him flicking me off for the first time. His first time I ever been flicked off. Well, all of a sudden, he started following nwo he loved the nwo and i hated the nwo he started doing the little too sweet thing to me all the time and that was just as bad as him flicking me off at that point giving me the middle finger he would be in the hallway i wasn't even in his class we'd be passing uh-huh. he'd look at me and he'd just put up the too sweet little symbol wow and i would just remember like i'd just start like you know shaking like i just wanted to yell at him he's just practically like jim duggan if i had a two by four Probably wouldn't have beat him in the hallway. but Probably not, no. But that's what I would have wanted to do. I would have wanted to hit him with a two-by-four and be like, you put that hand down. Ho! Yep. But anyway, my next ones would definitely won't be as long. That was just the biggest thing that comes to mind you had to, You had to give the story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. Um, I have a little background information on my first one as well. So in April of 1999, mm-hmm. um, I turn on my television one Thursday night, and I see WWF SmackDown. Okay. And this is the first time that SmackDown or any you know wrestling had been on uh, weekday or weeknight uh, broadcast television mm-hmm. that I can remember because um, I didn't have cable. I couldn't watch. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't watch Raw on USA Network. Mm-hmm. Um, my extension of wrestling knowledge came from video games. You know mm-hmm. that's kind of how I kept up with it at that point. I bought WCW Revenge. I had WrestleMania mm-hmm. 2000 when it came out. Um, I would look in the little um, video game player guides at Walmart in the video game section mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. so I could know who all these people were. Um, totally and, you know, yeah, that's yeah. where I, you know, like, I still have like a encyclopedic, encyclopedic, a lot of knowledge. Um, you got on, some wrestling encyclopedias on, in your brain. On, on wrestling knowledge. Um, and a lot of that came from just reading up on that stuff in Walmart while my parents were shopping around. I'm just in the video game section reading these pl- little player guides to the video games. Can we call that like Woogle? It's like wrestling Google. Wrestling Google, yeah. That's a, a term we can coin here. Woogle. Yeah. Woogle. Yeah, Woogle. I like that. We're going to yeah. keep that. We're going to keep that one. Sorry, Ric Flair. So on that random night, Thursday night in April, they aired the pilot episode of SmackDown. Mm. And it was awesome. I could watch wrestling. You know, it was on UPN. I had a TV in my room that got Channel 28. I watched it. And the next week, I'd turn on, you know, Channel 28 on Thursday night, and it was some movie. Like, oh no! So like they didn't have SmackDown like truly debut like that was just the one episode to see if it would work on network television. Mm-hmm. 
didn't really debut until like a pilot episode. Yeah, until uh, September. Oh wow! So, but I discovered WWF Jacked, mm. which came on Saturday nights. I think it was Shotgun Saturday night before it was Jacked. Yeah, I think so. so. Like at eleven o'clock, but right before I'm going to bed, I turn on my TV and I'd watch the highlights of everything going on in wrestling. So, my only wrestling knowledge was watching SmackDown and Jacked. Well, in April of 2000, mm-hmm. I see a promo. They're having SummerSlam 2000 in Raleigh, North Carolina, oh, at what was then known as the Raleigh Entertainment Sports Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my birthday's in August. Two weeks after my birthday, they're having SummerSlam. That's awesome. So I begged my parents, like, I need to go to SummerSlam. I need to go. So we didn't have a credit card. We didn't have anything. So my mom calls my uncle says, hey, if I give you money, can you order some tickets That's to awesome. SummerSlam so Eric can go to SummerSlam? That is so awesome. Um, so the, the, we ordered four tickets. Mm-hmm. They sent us eight tickets. Oh, wow. So I was able to... Like your uncle did or like... No, no. We only ordered four. The, the company sent us eight. I don't know why. Don't, don't know. tell them your last name or address. You're going to be paying for those tickets. Exactly. So instead of being able to invite like one or two friends, mm-hmm. I was able to like four or five friends. You had to rent a van. I mean, we had a van. Oh, well, so, great. <laughs> um, so four or five friends. My brother got to bring a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and my uncle came with us. Um, and my most memorable moment on that show, it's still talked about today, TLC won. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Mm-hmm. The Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys versus the Champions, Edge, and oh, Christian. Wait, so this was that match? This was that match. Oh, crap. I didn't, I'm not good with remembering dates and yes. shows and junk. That was the first tables, ladders, and chairs match. Arguably one of the best ever. Oh, absolutely. And this was in Raleigh, which is you know just a hop, a skip, and a jump away from Cameron, uh, where the Hardy Boys are from. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Hardy Boys fan, mainly because they were from North Carolina. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were from the backwoods of North Carolina like me. You'd see them at Walmart. Well, I wouldn't, but people, uh, there are people. But did. people who did because, like you know, our Walmart was not that far from Cameron. I don't think. Well, like I um, like I just remember, but like that. they would wrestle like in Smithfield or Clayton yeah, whenever yeah. they're on the Indies. I mean, we we saw them at a show just a few years ago. Yeah, we did. Um, right, you know, right down the road. So big Hardy Boys fan, and I got to see that match live. I was on the back row of the Raleigh Entertainment Sports Arena, nosebleeds, you know. It was little dots from where we were sitting, but I got to see it live. There were some bloody dots, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it was such an awesome, awesome match. I didn't get a chance to re actually, actually rewatch the match until several years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I rented like the DVD or the uh, VHS or whatever from the video store yeah. just to see what I had saw live because you couldn't really see. But just the atmosphere of being there, mm-hmm. my favorite wrestling moment. Like It's first in the chronological series of events that I have listed. Yeah. Still my favorite That's wrestling awesome. moment ever. I so. only went and saw I saw a Nitro with a couple of friends uh, once. And nothing really, honestly, that great happened that night. So it's an awesome memory of going, but we had nosebleed sections and there was no tables, ladders, or chairs matches happening. I think Goldberg walking through the Sparks was the biggest thing we saw. Cool deal. So that was my first thing on my list. What's your second entry into your list? My second one is an event that probably goes down in one of the biggest things in wrestling history ever. Um, growing up, we did, you know you talked about your experience with wrestling. WWF happened at the same time as WCW, but my parents wouldn't let me watch that one. But being upstairs, I would keep the volume really low and switch back and forth between channels because the craziness was happening over there on WWF. There was these two guys. One's called the Dead Man, The Undertaker. Yes. There's another man called Mankind. Have a nice day. Mankind scared the crap out of me. I don't know if it was between him and Paul Bear, but it was their really like, like voices, whatever they did. Well, this is back before you had lovable, you know, Santa Claus Mick Foley. No, you did, there was, this he, was, he was the, you know, guy who lived in the bo- boiler room at yes. the time. And, you know, he had a pet rat, you know, a couple mm-hmm. years prior where he had the all brown costume. And at this, you know, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, that, I think I know what your moment is. But. You do. That Mankind, though, scared the mess out of me. But um, also, this happened in 1998. King of the Ring. Um, I guess that makes me a couple years older now at that point, like 10 or 11. Uh, I remember at this point, some friends are starting to really get into wrestling and some are getting out. And people are telling me how wrestling's fake. Like everything's planned. There's nothing there. People don't really get hurt. None of that happens. Like it's all just a play. It's a soap opera. Like that's all it is. And being at that age, I was real susceptible. Like, was that true? 
It's like, is this thing I love, is that fake? Do they do they really not get hurt? What's going on? Um, and then I saw this match, and it reignited my passion for wrestling again because all of a sudden there's no way that these people aren't hurt. Uh, Hell in a Cell, Undertaker versus Mankind. Uh, I remember WCW had cage matches, and that was my experience with a cage. And the whole goal of that was just to escape out of the cage, like, first and get down. Basically run away from your opponent. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but I remember seeing this, I don't, and I didn't see it live. I never got pay-per-view. I just remember seeing this match. Mick Foley walks out with a chair, climbs straight to the top of this take of the cage. He stands on, waits for Undertaker. Literally just a few minutes in, he's hit like Undertaker with a couple chair shots. He throws Mick Foley off the top of the, the cage through a table. Which, if I can interrupt, sure, sparked almost. one of the greatest calls, you know, wrestling or otherwise. Do in, Good God Almighty! Good God Almighty! He's broken in half! I mean, just Jim Ross. That man is dead. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just, you know, they, they still take that audio clip and apply it to, like, real-life sports sure, know, yeah, happenings yeah. now, like when someone gets run over in a football game or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, keep going. But that happens. The man gets put on a stretcher. They're carrying him out. He climbs back off the stretcher, goes back for more. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail behind the scenes story, but just being a kid, seeing that, no one next. He gets choke slammed through the top of the cage. They end up. He gets by the end of the match. He is thrown on top of a giant pile of thumbtacks, and then given a tombstone pile driver before he finally leaves. And I was watching some stuff for recaps today, and he talked about how he remembers. Like if you look at the film, he rolls over a little bit, talking to one of the refs, where you can't see his mouth, and he says, "I've already been on a stretcher tonight." Right. And he said, "Well, yeah, yeah, you have." He's like, "Well, I'm not going out again." So he like walks himself out, like limps himself out. At this point, there's a tooth up the man's nose. There's a hole through his lip that he can stick his tongue in. He's got through. a dislocated shoulder. He does. And um, here's the craziest thing, and I don't know if you're going to get to this, but ahead, he yeah, actually yeah. interferes in the main event later that night against Steve Austin yeah, yeah, yeah. and Kane. He interferes on Kane's behalf, I believe, where he's probably still – it would never happen today mm-hmm. um, for good reason. Like sure, yeah, yeah. Last weekend, they had uh, – All Elite Wrestling had a Fighter Fest, which was a show that they put on for free, and – um, after Cody Rhodes' match, he got hit in the head mm, with a chair shot, that. and people were freaking out, but like for good reason. Sure, because we know what you know that kind of thing can do to your brain. Now we didn't know in 1998 no, no, no. all this stuff. You know, we still kind of thought the, you know, well wrestling's playing choreograph whatever. Um, Mick Foley, you know, he just shake it off whatever. But all this stuff was just incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Um, and but the fact that he was just able to roll himself out there mm-hmm. in the main event is just incredible to me. Well, it blew my mind in a way, too, that up until this point, Undertaker was creepy, but Mankind was super creepy. And, like, he scared me to the point that I like to watch him, but he scared the crap out of me. This just gave me a whole new respect. He was no longer creepy. This man was a man that would get up and fight and do everything good. To the point, too, I was watching, and he said that he's told two biggest lies. Vincent Mann first asked him if he had been up on that cage yet and tested it out. He told him yes. He said that was the biggest lie he'd ever told up in his life up to that point. Uh, the next one was, was he comfortable with it or, you know, or whatever, if he was okay with it? And he said yes, and that was his next biggest lie. Well, you know, the funny thing is when him and Terry Funk were watching mm-hmm. a, a replay of the first cell match with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was uh, Terry Funk or Mick Foley who said, you know, maybe you should start the match on the cage, yeah, you know, on yeah. top of the cage. And they, they were kind of joking about it. Mm-hmm. And then Foley just kind of, after they laughed about it, he's like, you know what? I think I can do that. Yeah. I mean, in, insane match. And I found out something else. Like, I've watched a bunch of stuff because it was like, what, 20 years this year? 21, 21, 21 years. Yeah, last um, year was 20 years. And I remember, like, I knew a bunch about it. But today I was watching something and it was talking about how Undertaker said that his foot was actually broke before the match ever yeah. started. But the Undertaker <laughs> he wanted He climbed the cage faster with a broke than me. foot. <laughs> he came out, he still wrestled. They asked him, you know, are you going to be able to do this? And he said yes. Now, you think about it today, like, like you talk about health hazard, things we know now. This would never happen that way then. But he goes up with a broke foot, climbs the cage, and he was halfway up, and he said that he wasn't even sure how he was going to get up there. But at this point, he was not not going to go up that cage. So well, The insane thing that, you know, when you talk about this match, it arguably changed Mick Foley's – I mean, well, mm-hmm. definitely changed Mick Foley's career. But for the better, um, in terms of his popularity, I mean, because he writes in his first book, Have a Nice Day, A Tale mm-hmm. of Blood and Sweat Socks, which Great is what book, he wanted to call it. Um, how he had no heat. He you know, wasn't really connecting with the crowd. Mm-hmm. They were doing this new Attitude Era thing where he was just, you know, The Rock was getting over, Steve Austin was getting over, all, you know, Triple H was no longer like the Br- British 
you know, guy, guy from mm-hmm. the blue blood from Connecticut, but he was in DX doing the crotch chops. And Mick Foley as Mankind just kind of felt out of place. And, you know, him and Undertaker were fighting for like the fifth or sixth time on pay-per-view. And yep. it's like, this match is going to suck, even if it is in the sale. Turned out to be the most one of the most memorable matches of his career. Changed his life forever. He ended up winning the WWF Championship six months later. Yeah, and I yeah. think that was mainly because his popularity, like the fans started to grow a certain amount of respect for him. Because Mick Foley... Even in th- up to this point, he was a great wrestler. Sure. Um, you know, great brawler, great, gave great interviews. Um, but, you know, the fans really took a hold of him after this match. And I think that really helped increase his popularity where he's main event in pay-per-views with The Rock, winning the WWF Championship. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's a Hall of Famer now. Sure. Um, like I said, just really changed his career. It did. And that was like, that's my second one. What you got? So, my second one, going in order um, – we watched SummerSlam 2000. I'm just I'm loving the wrestling on SmackDown. You know, I catch up on Raw when I watch the Saturday Night stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Raw though. You know, they moved to TNT in September of 2000. I didn't have USA. Didn't have TNT. We mm-hmm. had regular broadcast network. I had a friend, and I don't remember his name. We rode the bus together. He lived right down the road from me. He got wrestling. We were uh, he got cable. We were big. He was a big wrestling fan, and we would talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well. At this point, I was starting to like read like the internet like wrestling message boards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would uh, go to a website called WrestleLine, which was actually uh, backed by CBS at that point. Okay. And they would share all these you know backstage wrestling news and tidbits and stuff. And one day in March, they uh, they shared that Vince McMahon had bought WCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that they were actually going to simulcast Raw and Nitro, both on TNN and TNT. Mm-hmm. Um, the simulcast, Nitro came on at 8 and stopped at 10. Raw was from 9 to 11. And then so that one hour where they were both on, they would simulcast both on the show. I remember this episode. Okay. I watched it live, yeah. So I couldn't watch it live. I didn't have cable, but I'm freaking out as a wrestling fan. So we had AOL Instant Messenger, which had like a little speaker, you know, where you could talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just hit my, uh, my speaker thing here where you could talk over it. My buddy, we got on in semester. We opened up the microphone app, and he put his, you know, like his little microphone from his computer in front of the TV, so I could listen. That's a good friend. To what was going on? That is awesome. Like, and we were doing this over dial-up, so it was like oh really staticky. And, um, but I heard everything for like three hours. I'm sitting with my headphones on at my computer. You know, sometimes it would get interrupted. Now, but type like, what's going on? What's going mm-hmm. on? And he was like, sorry, bad connection, bad connection. And But I heard pretty much everything. I heard Vince McMahon you know, ask the crowd, should we keep Jeff Jarrett or should we fire Jeff Jarrett? Oh, my goodness. Buff Bagwell. You know, and then Shane McMahon comes out. The contract does say McMahon. Yep. But it says Shane McMahon. I totally remember. And that. I'm just – I'm freaking out in my room, like, to the point where my parents are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm listening to Raw right now. And they're like, what? I was like, never mind. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Um, the, to me, just the absurdity of ha- the lengths I would go to just hear something that live is awesome. um, makes it instantly my, one of my all-time favorite wrestling moments. This um, almost made my list, like that same show. Not for the same reason, because I watched it, but that's, I mean, whenever you're thinking about something for a list, I never would have thought about having someone stream the sound of a TV. Anyway, my favorite top thing is not just one particular thing or a particular episode or anything but it's the team up of a tag team now usually i loved you know if you were going to be a tag team i thought you should look the same road warriors one of my favorite tag teams of all time you have the giant shoulder pads face paint it sold it for me like that's what a tag team should look like this tag team was complete opposites one man is in perfect physique wearing his little brief trunks you know perfect you know athletic man got this other guy still wearing that same brown mask but a giant you know, button-up shirt, loosely done with a tie, and not in the. I mean, to be fair, McFoley, I'm sure was in much better shape than I am, but overall, it didn't. Rock and sock connection. Yes, my favorite, one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Um, I went back and was watching much stuff with them today. They came together. Undertaker and Big Show had been were the champions. Now to look at that, you got two giant people that are champions. Pretty much, you look at it, it's, it's undefeated. There's no way they're going to beat them. They end up jumping the rock. Mick Foley comes out and says, I want to be your tag team partner, Rock. You know, the, I've been talking to the people, and the people want me as your tag team champion. 
So they come on, and it's not even like the fighting, the the wrestling that made that. None of the matches like they were great, but nothing like that stands the test of time. That's like, oh man, the best match ever is a tag team. It's all of their little behind the scenes, their interviews, their takes of random things. I just I did a quick just jot down of some things of quotes that they said in interviews. Uh, let's see. It says Mick Foley here quoting saying, "The Rock and Sock are like a fine automobile. The Rock is the front end." And the sock is the rear end, but not just any rear end, the people's rear end. <laughs> um, and then he's doing another interview. Uh, I think Michael Cole was talking to him. He says, how do you feel, mankind? And he says, it doesn't matter how I feel. Uh, and then you had The Rock who talks about the millions, and he had everybody in the crowd say, and millions. Yep. Mick Foley, and the dozens. And, and dozens. dozens. Like, then, you know, there's so many that he stole all the rocks lines. You know, we did it the other day on a video or, or something where it's like, la, 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 la. Like Mick Foley jumped in in the middle of that. There's so many times that the rock's like, stop. Never do that again. There's multiple times of that. There's an old time he just steals the rock lines, but it's so hilarious to see the interaction between those two people. Um, the whole this is your life segment that mankind did for the rock is just an amazingly funny thing that, you know, it's, it, it could talk about it in itself. But um, one of the things, one other line that, that really was funny to me was Mankind goes, Mick Foley goes to talk with Vince McMahon. Uh, he says, we need one more match. He's like, Vince, I need you to return the favor. And Vince says, I don't remember, you know, you doing any favors, man. I don't owe you any favors. And he said, well, yeah, you do. He said, last week you told me to get the heck or leave you the heck alone. And I did. So now I need you to repay the favor. <laughs> and so he gets him another championship or another match. He talks to The Rock and says, this is the last one. Last one ever. We'll never do this again. One night, night only. The Rock agrees to it. Says the last time ever. They go and win the championship belt. So it can't be the last <laughs> match ever. Right. But um, it's just one of those things for me. They they were a tag team. Nobody expected. They were hilarious, honestly, more than anything. They were three-time ta- world, tag uh, world tag champions. I didn't know that. I figured it was like a one-and-done thing. I don't remember a ton about watching. I just remember it was always hilarious to me. Um, and from there on, Mick Foley was honestly one of my top favorite wrestlers of all time just because of his antics backstage, because of his funniness. Uh, you literally I could just sit there for hours and just watch videos of The Rock and Mick Foley just talking uh, backstage. It's just a hilarious thing to me. And the great thing about Mick Foley is you got to see a lot of that natural charisma and you know mm-hmm. comedic side of him when he retired from the ring a year later mm-hmm. and he was the commissioner and he would have these great skits with not only with The Rock. Yeah. Um, I think he ended up stealing his catchphrase again like he his did. first night as commissioner. How does it feel to be a five-time WWF champion? And The Rock starts answering. He's like, it doesn't matter how you feel. And he runs around the ring and yells Foley. Yep, uh, yep. He also had some great uh, comedic moments with uh, Christian and Edge and Kurt Angle and Test. Mm-hmm. And uh, just some great stuff, and just one of the you know, one of the things that just makes him so incredibly memorable that he was able to be the hardcore legend, you know, this deathmatch icon. Mm-hmm. He was able to be thrown off the top of steel cages and cell, cells, and then he's able to turn it on be, be this goofy, you know, comedic. To the point, he goes and makes a Santa Claus documentary where he yeah. loves Christmas. Like, Ab- absolutely, he Make, just has like a great heart that you see now, and you get to have that opportunity. Before he was just some creepy guy, like you said, he didn't have a following, he didn't have the people hooked. He finally got to just be himself, and then the next thing you know, everybody just started falling in love with the guy. And uh, if you've never read any of his books, I don't know if you're much of a reader. I've, I have all four. Of, I, well, actually, the there, there's five, actually. I don't have the fifth one where he talks about his uh, experiences as a uh, as Santa Claus. Nice. Um, but the first four, I have all four of them, and uh, the first one's still the best one. Mm. But he just has a unique writing style. He does. So. I've read the first one. It was a great book. So my last entry onto the list, um, I'm, I think I'm cheating a little bit. We, we didn't really specify, like, at the top of the uh, episode, mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, this is just favorite wrestling moments. Mm-hmm. So, we you've named all wrestling moments from your childhood. That's true. I've named moments from my childhood until now. Okay. Um, this actually edged out, like, the show that happened a week after the Raw Nitro simulcast, mm-hmm. um, where I watched WrestleMania 17 with a friend. This moment actually happened four years ago. Oh, okay. This was from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. I have no clue about what you're talking okay, about. Okay, exactly. Um, I got back into wrestling a lot harder, hardcore more uh, when the WWE Network became mm-hmm. a thing. I mean, all the WWF pay-per-views, all the WCW pay-per-views, ECW pay-per-views for nine ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that hooked me in. 
and they started showing NXT uh, takeover shows, okay. which is you know the developmental league, basically mm-hmm. the Triple A system of WWE wrestling, and you'd see all these formerly uh, independent stars, and they would you know they would be in NXT where they would put on great matches and great characters. And all, all this great stuff, and you could argue, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue because I think it's a fact, the NXT shows are always better than the WWE shows. I've heard that from a lot of people. Because there's, like, not a lot of oversight from Vince McMahon. It's all ran by Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those moments happened on this TakeOver Brooklyn show. This is the night before SummerSlam in 2015 where you had a main event of Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. Okay. Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Now, I have watched this match, actually. Okay. Yes. And this Sasha Banks is the NXT Women's Champion. Mm-hmm. She's putting on, she puts on a clinic of wrestling ma- matches with Charlotte Flair prior to that, uh, Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, the women are tearing it up in NXT. Um, it made women's wrestling relevant for the first time. For sure. Ever. Like, prior to this, like, in all of my wrestling history knowledge, Women were never taken seriously mm-hmm. by the fan base. They were putting on the bra and panty matches and the pudding mm-hmm. matches and the evening gown matches and stuff that... Stupid. It, it was really demeaning to the women, too, mm-hmm. who really worked to try to get hard. Trish Stratus and Lita and Molly Holly and mm-hmm. Ivory, I think, tried to change some of that in the early 2000s, the mid-2000s. But then they hired a bunch of supermodels who mm-hmm. didn't really have any interest in being in the ring. They, you know, they wanted to be eye candy and whatever. Well, then you get NXT and they start training up these women who wanted to be serious, taken seriously as competitors. They sure. weren't just divas. Mm-mm. They were wrestlers. Okay. They were superstars and Bailey and Sasha Banks put on, in my opinion, the match of 2015. Awesome. Uh, it was incredible. Sasha Banks was a heel here. She made a super fan named Izzy who, who loved Bailey made her cry in the mm-hmm. audience. Um, you know, was vicious with her submissions, stomping on Bailey's fingers. You know, they were yeah, speculating yeah. whether they were broken. And then Bailey just kind of turns the tide on them a little bit. And they just told such an amazing story. And Bailey, the one who was told she couldn't do it, mm-hmm. the underdog, mm-hmm. wins the NXT Women's Championship. Um, just in on a show that was incredible. They Jushin Thunder Liger, who um, who is a Japanese star who mm-hmm. wrestled for WCW, had never wrestled for the WWE. He wrestled on this show for the first time ever. Um, gotcha. uh, facing Tyler Breeze in the uh, in the opener, uh, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens in oh, a wow. ladder match was your main event on that show. And I have in- to go back and watch. This. Incredible show! This match stood above them all to the point where they main evented the next Takeover show in a um, in an Iron Woman match mm-hmm. or Iron Man match. Um, that was the you know really the start of that women's evolution or revolution or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it now, uh, where. To this day, the women just main invented WrestleMania 35 a few months ago. I've got to say, like, because I just started watching wrestling again the past couple of years. Like, me and you, same way, WWE Network happened. You know, we go to your house and watch some of the bigger pay-per-views and stuff. That's been my biggest and favorite thing since I've started watching again is all the women's matches. Now, back in the day, like you say, as a teenage boy watching these random things women are doing on TV, sure, it's sold to a teenage boy, but even to the extent that the teenage boy would make sure to shut the door and everything else and like hide from his parents or anybody else watching it. To uh, now, to an extent where they knew it was wrong. For sure, no, he, that's what I mean. Like, I wouldn't shut the door and hide it if it wasn't, but to know that, like, honestly, like if I'm watching it now, I prefer to watch the women's matches over any of the men's stuff. Any like they're Even on Raw and SmackDown when the women come out, and just even if they're just talking or they're backstage talking, they are putting on such a better product as of late, at least they're finally getting that spotlight where you finally really want to watch what they're doing. Um, they're not just some sideshow. They're not some just some gimmick. They really are holding their own. Like you said, they just main evented WrestleMania. Um, there's so much more to come from that, and it's awesome just to see how that's growing. They finally have tag titles now. Uh, there's, there's so much with that happening, and it's exciting to see something different, but also them getting the respect that they're due. But then also they're really just owning it. It's not even a matter, you know, they're taking what they get. Well, it's not a matter of them, you know, just giving it to them as a no, token no. spot. They've earned every bit of it. Every bit. They're putting on matches that are equal to, if not better than the men's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd watch Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss fight all day. I'd rather watch them than Baron Corbin. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, I hope Baron doesn't listen to this because he probably could legit beat us up. But sure. Um, but like, what was it? Is it Charlotte and Becky? Charlotte and, and Becky and Ronda Rousey was the main event. Um, Charlotte and Becky put on a, a lot of great matches in the past I'm year. I'm trying to think, yeah, because it was one of the shows that literally after watching that, it wasn't WrestleMania. It was leading up to it. 
But I remember after, I think it was Becky and Charlotte is what it was. And I remember leave, like watching it and being just stunned and being, this is the best match I've seen, not this year, but just in the, all of women's wrestling for sure was the best match, like, but just the best wrestling match. They keep general. raising the bar. And it's one of those things where, you know, we can talk all day about women's sure. wrestling where, you know, my match was Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a, those two elevated that bar. Charlotte Flair was, you know, she's going to go down as the greatest women's wrestler of all time, it's, sure. I think, at some point when she retires. And she um, deserves it. And she deserves it, too. But they keep raising the bar. Like, when Sasha got called up to Raw, her and Charlotte Flair put on this great series of matches. Mm-hmm. Um, Bailey and Sasha have kind of been left, you know, behind a little bit in this women's revolution. Mm-hmm. Bailey's kind of getting the momentum back. Well, she's champion now. She's like, champion on the SmackDown getting, brand now. Yeah, and it's getting um, her character back, you know, but in 2015, they were on top of the world. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, th- they still had the Divas title in yeah, WWE yeah. at that point, but this was the NXT women's title mm-hmm. and just an incredible moment. Fantastic moment for me. I think that was a great list. Uh, we're going to get to some uh, some Twitter responses. I put a little question on Twitter today, tagged a few people in it. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, WTW underscore media, mm-hmm. um, that's us on Twitter. We'll uh, try to be a little more interactive, and we'll have a little section for Twitter at the end of each podcast. Yeah. Um, but I asked what their favorite wrestling moments were. Mm-hmm. Chris Alt, who is at Spiciest Nachos. Nice. It's a great Twitter handle. He said, there will probably never again be a moment in wrestling that made me feel the exhilaration and pure joy I felt being in the crowd when Daniel Bryan won the title at WrestleMania 30. And I got to say that was that was definitely a contender for my list. Mm-hmm. That was the first month that we had the WWE Network. It came out the month before. Gotcha. I watched it at Joe Davis's house, mm-hmm. and Daniel Bryan was another guy that you know he sure. wasn't he wasn't a huge promo guy, in it, but he was a worker. Mm-hmm. He was an underdog. He, you mm-hmm. know, he just kind of beat the crap out of you. And you know, I really enjoyed that. So watching him win the title was a big moment for me. Yeah. We have the Beer Baron. Um, I think it's James Enright is his actual name. He said it's not a match. He rewatched CM Punk's pipe bomb promo recently. Sure. Um, he said it's definitely aged like a fine prophetic wine. Did you ever see the CM Punk pipe I have, bomb? I've watched. It. I wasn't watching wrestling at the time whenever he was around, but I've since seen it. Um, and I mean, it's something that was very unheard of. There's a lot of discrepancies still today. Was well, that real? Was it not real? Back and forth. But it's like, no, it's pretty real. Like, I mean, the thing that really broke the fourth wall for me was when he kind of looked at the camera, and waved, and said, "Hi, Colt Cabana," mm-hmm. who was his friend on the indie scene, who wasn't yeah. working for WWE. No, no, no. And then the fact they cut this, his microphone off at the end when he talks, starts talking about how uh, the WWE will never get better unless Vince McMahon dies. Mm-hmm. But then it's going to go to his doofus son-in-law, and and then they yeah. cut his mic off, and it's like. I mean, it really sold that match. And yeah. I think, you know, I don't really know the full story behind it, but they really, I think they told him just go there and air your grievances and we'll cut you off when we feel like, mm-hmm. it. you know, just go ahead and sell this. And yeah. um, it led to a really great match with John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011, mm-hmm. um, a five-star match where he wins the title and then you think he's going, he's leaving the WWE yeah. with the title. He's holding the title hostage mm-hmm. and um, just a great moment. This is from Tech Shark 300, uh, Chad Aaron. He said, off the top of his head, the whole Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ted DiBiase title change where um, Hogan is facing Andre the Giant Mm -hmm. and Ted DiBiase pays a referee to get plastic surgery um, (laughs) or something to count the fall on Hogan. So Andre wins the title and then immediately gives it up to Ted DiBiase. I mean, I've I've never watched it. I've never heard it. um, And then the WWF president, Jack Tunney, comes out and says, you can't do that. And that led to the WrestleMania four title tournament where okay. um, Macho Man beats Ted DiBiase in the finals to win his first WWF championship. Um, he also mentioned Ric Flair winning the 92 Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, but I went back no. and watched this a few months ago when we were getting ready to watch the Rumble. Yeah. It still holds up. It's a, it's a good Rumble. Nice. Um, and that one was notable because the WWF championship was on the line in that Royal okay. Rumble match. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a title shot. It That's was, awesome. The title was on the line. Corey, uh, at grade underscore A underscore moron, well, yeah. uh, he said he was lucky enough to be at WrestleMania 17, 18, and 19. Oh, my goodness. And he said Austin joining Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan versus The Rock, and Lesnar, Brock Lesnar missing the shooting star press against mm. Kurt Angle are huge moments for now me. See, I remember all three of those things. And yes. like, even just seeing one of those in person is amazing. But and to he see saw all three. That's... All three, which is insane. Um, my buddy Mikey in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, at MDWDFW. He just gives a quote from Dusty Rhodes. He says, I don't need another handshake. What I need from you right now is a hug and a kiss to seal the deal, baby. <laughs> um, and that was a reference to a WCW Saturday Night promo that Dusty Rhodes, um, 
basically is asking his son Dustin to be his tag mm-hmm. team partner. It's a great promo. I encourage you to go check it out. But he ends it with uh, that right there. That's our uh, our Twitter shout outs. Uh, That's awesome. Thank you all for uh, responding. Uh, again, to follow us on Twitter, WTW underscore media, if this is your first time listening, we'll uh, probably post a question either the day before or the day of our recording. And we usually record on Wednesday, so yes. be looking out Tuesday, Wednesday in that general area. And if you uh, if you respond to the question, we'll try to give you a shout out on that show. Yeah. So uh, hype us up for next week. Next week, in a world. Now, I've said this a couple times now. In a world. In a world. Well, there's a boy. And the, he, this boy is on this side, and the world's on this side. We're going to be doing Boy Meets World. <sighs> yes, I I, yes, I ruined it. Yes. I had this whole, like, what we, it's like on World's Collide know, and, song built up in my head. And for those of you who ruined didn't listen it. to episode one or episode two, we were going to do Boy Meets World for episode two. We actually recorded it. We were it not. Sucked. It was awful. It was terrible. And we're redoing it. Um it's one of our favorite childhood shows. We're going to try to do it, it better. It deserves better. It deserves more better justice than what we try to better. do. More better. I'm, I'm a PE teacher, not an English major. Whatever works. Whatever works. So, Boy Meets World next week. Make sure to bring your caviar next time. I forgot that this time. No, I've already given my caveat. No. Well, yeah. I didn't get any of it, and I'm still hungry. Well, too bad. So, Boy Meets World next week, and then uh, let us know what you want us to talk sure. about. Because we haven't really planned uh, an episode Beyond Boy Meets World, we're going to talk about some stuff when we go off air. Mm-hmm. But let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Remember, we're open to movies, television shows. Uh, you want to see a what versus what battle. Um, you want us to anything for our yeah. wild card week. We'll discuss anything. Just let us know what you're interested in hearing. And we'll try to make it as entertaining as possible. We appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, if you want to share this with someone, we are on Apple. We're on Spotify. And we're on Podbean now. Um, just go to our uh, to the links in our bio and that can... Um, that can get you to our Podbean account or search for us on Apple uh, or Spotify under What The What Media, all one word. Mm-hmm. What is our Instagram handle? What The What Media is our handle on Instagram. So definitely check it out. We're just getting everything up and going. Uh, we hope to start posting more throughout the week as well, but right now we're mostly just announcing shows and stuff. But, uh, yeah, give us a follow. Let us know on there, on Twitter, what it is you would like to hear us talk about more and uh, love to reach out and quote you. So thank you for tuning in to What The What. What The What. what?